Welcome to Sex Savvy, where nothing is off limits. I'm Kimberly Resnick Anderson, your host and creator of Sex Savvy. I've been helping couples and individuals achieve optimal sexual health for more than 25 years. I am ready to share my unique insights and sex positive approach with the world. We'll talk about hang ups, kinks, fantasies, and function, what's hot, what's not, and most importantly, how to become sex savvy. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Sex Savvy. I'm your host, Kimberly Resnick Anderson. This episode is part one of a two-part episode on a fetish that is referred to as ABDL, adult baby diaper lovers. And I think of all the fetishes that I have seen and all of the so-called unconventional interests that have brought people into my office, this is the one that I think the average person has the most trouble relating to or wrapping their head around because it's so far outside of the mainstream, so far beyond our norms. And I think it, it really scares people, makes them uncomfortable because they're not quite sure what to make of it and um, have so much trouble understanding how and why it could be uh, sexually gratifying. So I'm going to be talking about um, what's called uh, diagnostically paraphilic infantilism, more commonly referred to as adult baby syndrome. I'm also going to be talking about a subgroup of that fetish called technically autonepiophilia, but commonly referred to as diaper lovers. And we're going to take a pretty deep dive into this fetish over the next two episodes. I'm going to be dispelling some myths about this fetish. I'm going to be explaining some of the key components of this fetish. I'll be providing some history, uh, some resources, and some psychological theories to explain where and how this fetish comes from and, and why it manifests in certain individuals. I'm going to be interviewing an actual ABDL, and he'll be talking about his journey through um, discovery, shame, and ultimate acceptance and I would say celebration of his fetish. We're also going to be talking to a professional mommy who is hired by ABDLs to engage in role play activities. So all that is coming up. I think this is going to be a fascinating two episodes. And I just want to say in advance, for those of you that may be faint of heart, that this episode is, is graphic and explicit in terms of describing this particular fetish. So you've been duly warned. If you feel like um, it may be disturbing for you to hear about this, then perhaps this is not the sex-savvy episode for you. So let me explain a little bit more about this term, ABDL, adult baby diaper lover, because some people relate to the AB side and other people relate to the DL side and some people relate to both. And I think it's important to distinguish because for people who are only ABs, adult babies, they may not relate to the diaper lover side, but more commonly it's the diaper lovers who often don't relate to the adult baby side. So let me explain a little bit about what the difference is. So adult babies are individuals who are aroused from role-playing 
as babies and enjoy regressing to infant or young childlike states. They may enjoy eating baby food, drinking from a baby bottle, uh, sucking on a pacifier, talking in baby talk, sleeping with a blankie or a stuffed animal. They may enjoy crawling, being spanked. They may enjoy um, being given a bath, being put to bed. They may be. They may enjoy being read to, coloring in coloring books or playing with blocks. They may prefer to eat their food in an adult-sized high chair or even sleep in an adult-sized crib. Now, often adult babies are aroused by uh, wearing diapers, and this is where the autonepophilia comes in. This term, autonepophilia, was coined in 1984 by the psychiatrist John Money, who is famous for his book Love Maps. He took the term nippon, which is Greek for the word infant, and autonepophilia just means auto meaning yourself, nepo meaning infant, and philia meaning love of. So it just would be the love of yourself as an infant. But this is commonly referred to as um, diaper lover. And as I said, sometimes they coexist, sometimes they don't. For people who are diaper lovers, they love to wear diapers. There's almost always a sexual component to it, but some diaper lovers will describe it as comforting in addition to erotic, and even fewer will say it's purely comforting and there's no erotic component to it whatsoever. So the diaper lovers uh, engage in a range of diaper-related activities. It may be that they urinate in the diaper And some, after they urinate, want to take the diaper off. Others enjoy the sensation of sitting in a wet diaper. Same for dirty diapers. Some will defecate into a diaper and enjoy the sensation of having that messy, full uh, diaper. And others will defecate into a diaper and then immediately want to change themselves or clean up. And for some, they just like to wear the diaper and they don't release urine or feces in the diaper at all. And like many uh, fetishes, there are subgroups where some prefer cloth diapers and others prefer disposable plastic diapers. You'll be hearing from a man named Eric, who is definitely a disposable plastic guy. He loves the crinkle, the, the feel. The, the sounds, the smell, all the sensations associated with that plastic disposable. So those are basically the range of, of activities. Some take it to a greater extent. For example, some ABs like to uh, simulate breastfeeding from an adult woman, a mother figure, and some actually will uh, seek out actually nursing women, women who are lactating, and uh, pay to nurse them and drink their breast milk. So that's a range of some of the activities that ABs engage in. I think one of the very common myths and assumptions about ABs is that they are pedophiles. And this is not the case. Um, So not only in my clinical experience is it not the case, but there's also been some research to suggest that this is not the case. And if anything, adult babies tend to be quite protective of children because they are aware of that innocence and vulnerability. 
Okay, so let's talk about how many ABDLs feel misunderstood and marginalized for their interests because it's so unconventional. Due to the negative connotation and marginalization of adult babies, they often refer to themselves as littles rather than ABs because people so commonly assume that they're perverted. Many ABs describe the appeal as more of a stress relief, a wish to give up control and responsibility rather than a sexual release, but they often go hand in hand. Well, if you're wondering who are these people and what is the profile of the average adult baby, I'm going to tell you. So the typical profile is that the individual is male. In one study, uh, 93% of respondents were male. So a much more common occurrence in men than women. And they tend to be college educated and employed and often are in a professional job where they have a master's degree or higher. I've treated ABs who are business owners, lawyers, physicians, judges, teachers. These are people who lead productive lives and often are successful in their careers. A study published in the Archives of Sexual Behavior surveyed 1,795 adult men and 139 adult women who were recruited from ABDL websites to complete an online survey. And the men reported that they became aware of this interest at a mean age of 11 and that they acted out for the first time at age 13. Makes sense because that's right around when puberty is kicking in. For girls, they discovered and acted on a little bit later. So they first uh, discovered it at around 12 and didn't actually engage behaviorally in the fetish until age 16. Half of the respondents reported being in a romantic relationship and the vast majority of those, 79% of the men and 83% of the women reported that their partner was aware of their fetish. So of all the people who were in romantic relationships, nearly all of them disclosed to their partner that they had this particular interest, and often their partners either tolerated it comfortably or were even willing to participate in in the fetish with them. In the same study, 87% of males and 91% of females, so virtually 9 out of 10, for both genders, reported that this fetish did not cause significant problems or stress in their daily lives. And that's why we think that so few seek treatment or mental health support for this fetish because it doesn't tend to cause that much distress. I've seen probably maybe 10, maybe 12 adult babies in 25 years of practice. So that just goes to show you one about every other year. So in another study... 9% of Yahoo groups devoted to fetishes focus on paraphilic infantilism. So that's high in relation to the other fetishes that study found. I want to move on now and talk about some resources available for ABDLs and also give you some historical perspective on the fetish. 
So thanks to the internet, there are now hundreds, if not thousands, of online communities where ABDLs can find each other and communicate and uh, exchange information. One popular website is bedwettingabdl.com. Another is understanding.infantilism.org. Most major cities like New York and LA have uh, parties where you can go and meet people with the same fetish that you have. And there are parties here in LA uh, that I have been told about by some of my patients that meet on a regular basis. And, and basically, people just mingle in diapers, they color in coloring books, suck on pacifiers, build with blocks, and um, chat and eat. Uh, sometimes they eat baby food, sometimes they eat grown-up food, sometimes they use baby bottles, other times they don't. I have people who have, I've, I've treated people who form their own adult baby playgroup where they get together once a week or once a month and they regress and engage in baby-like activities. Some parties allow messy diapers, others do not. It just depends on the particular group or organization that you are uh, associated with. There is what's called an adult baby camp, which occurs in July in Alberta, Canada, every year where ABs go to engage in outdoor activities in diapers. So they'll be hiking in diapers or going on a canoe in diapers. In Liverpool, England, there's a couple and they own and run an adult nursery, which is well stocked with adult sized cribs, high chairs, onesies, etc. There are also um, professional mommies that exist around the world, and um, I'm going to be interviewing a professional mommy in part two of this episode next week, so you'll be able to hear about her work and uh, what she engages in and what she does not engage in. Basically, these groups and these professional mommies want to cultivate a safe, judgment-free environment to allow people to regress and give up the, the role of having to be responsible and be in control. In 2016, the first actual retail store exclusively for adult babies opened its doors in Illinois, and it's called Tykables, T-Y-K-A-B-L-E-S. The local community wasn't thrilled about this, but the store did open in spite of the backlash and they have a website, uh, Tykables does. You can go on and buy adult size onesies. You, they have a wide um, range of adult bibs with cars and trucks and unicorns and rainbows and diapers in every shape, size, and color you can imagine. The first city to host a public event organized specifically for ABs was in the early 1990s. And any of you want to guess what city that was? No surprise, that was San Francisco. They refer to it as Baby Week. But prior to the 1970s, many adult babies thought that they were the only ones with the fetish. They felt like something was wrong with them and that there were no other adult babies out there in the world who would be able to relate to this particular interest. It was in the early 1970s when an actor named Kent Perry started a letter-based ABDL community that grew to several hundred members. And he did this by posting ads in newspapers and magazines. 
And he was pleasantly surprised to realize that he was not alone, that there were other people who shared his fetish. I have some writings by Kent Perry that are very compelling. I I will be reading some of them in episode two because I'm anxious to get right to the interview so you can hear from an actual AB. Kent Perry is credited with shedding a light on this fetish and allowing people who were in the shadows to connect and support each other. In the mid-1970s, the publication called Fetish Times did a survey, and they were shocked to find that ABDL was the second most popular fetish after BDSM. And a lot of people think that ABDL fetish is sort of an offshoot of BDSM anyway, so that's not at all surprising. In 1980, adult baby Tommy Siegel started the Diaper Pail Fraternity, the first organization for ABs, and he published a newsletter and a roster with names and contact information where people could connect and describe their particular manifestations of the fetish. And then in 1991, the World Wide Web changed everything and adult babies were alone no more. I want to refer back to uh, John Money, who was a psychiatrist known for his research in this area. And he described a concept called love map. And he defined a love map as a developmental representation or template in the mind and brain depicting the idealized lover and the idealized program of sexual and erotic activity projected in imagery or actually engaged in. And John Money believed that this love map develops by age eight prior to puberty and that people with what's called paraphilia, um, which is a diagnostic term within which fetishes exist. I'll be doing an actual episode on paraphilia in the upcoming weeks or months. But Money believed that paraphilias are in place by age eight. And he describes people with fetishes, which would include ABDLs, as having an abnormal or vandalized love map. There's another theory that was offered by uh, Ray Blanchard and Kurt Freund in 1993, and they talk about erotic location target errors, or ELTE. They describe this as an erotic identity disorder, where the erotic fantasy is centered on self rather than other, for example, attraction to self as a child. So... Blanchard and Freund suggest that ABDLs might have this erotic location target error and that that's what caused them to get stuck in this way. There's so much more I could say, more research I could offer, more background I could give you on this fetish, but I think I'll never do it justice. I think that hearing from An AB directly is going to be the most effective way for you to learn about this fetish and also hearing from the professional mommy. So I think I'm going to be quiet now and I'm going to introduce you to my guest. Kimberly has altered the voice of her guest to protect his anonymity. Well, I'm very excited today to introduce my guest, who's also happens to be one of my patients that sees me in my sex therapy practice. His name is Eric, 
And he's here today to share about his fetish, his sexual interest in diapers, and talk a little bit about being what is considered or what is called an adult baby. So, Eric, welcome to Sex Savvy. Thank you for having me. Tell me why you wanted to do this. just want to get the story out about my particular fetish and uh, the fact that uh, maybe this my story can help others that are basically kind of in the closet. Great. So I know because you've shared your story with me that you've been through quite a journey from discovering this interest at a very young age and then experiencing shame about it and trying to eliminate it and get rid of it. And now you're at a stage in your life where you embrace this and um, you've rid yourself from the shame. Yes. Um, I mean, it's been a very, very long journey to come from a place of embarrassment and lack of understanding, thinking that you're a freak, you're not normal, to a place of acceptance and in really embracing my lifestyle, which is very unusual, but still normal. For people who aren't aware of this fetish and don't know about adult babies, can you explain what this is and how it has evolved throughout your life? Yes. Um, let's see. ABDL, adult baby diaper lover fetish, is a small community. It's not very large, not very well known, and there hasn't been a lot of studies on it. If you go on the internet today, there's much more out there, but again, it's, it's really shunned upon society because it's confused with pedophilia. Thank you for mentioning that because a lot of people I speak to assume that if you are sexually aroused by a regressive behavior such as wearing diapers, that you must be erotically interested in children. No, the actually, we want to be the children. Exactly. Thank we you. We don't want anything sexual <laughs> children. We just want to be replaced. Replace them with ourselves and regress back to an early, early time in life where we had no responsibilities and everything was taken care of. So what exactly, how does this fetish manifest? What exactly do you do? What do you like to do? There are so many different avenues of this fetish. There are just diaper levers that people just like to wear in the feel. The regular fetish itself of a diaper lever is just, I love diapers. The baby side does nothing for me. Some of them use their diapers. Some of them don't even use them. They just like wearing diapers. When I say use them, some people wet them and some people mess them as well. And where are you on that continuum? I wear diapers every single night to bed. I wet them every single night. And on occasion, I have messed my diapers. Okay. And tell us how you've gone from feeling shameful and embarrassed about this. Tell us about your early connection and relationship to this fetish when you first became aware of it. Well, my earliest earliest memory, which is still ingrained in my head, was being potty trained during potty training and being shamed for having an accident. And my mother threatened to put a diaper on me. And I just was drawn to wanting to wear that diaper, but I didn't want to get in trouble for not potty training correctly. So I did potty train correctly 
But one time when my parents were gone, I actually took the diaper and wore it and was so excited and just played around. My babysitter didn't know. And I still remember. I was probably about three and a half, four years old. When wow. And you remember that vividly? Very vividly. You know, it's kind of like if you had a traumatic event in your life, it's ingrained in you. Exactly. And so I, I like that's to use... my fondest, earliest memory that I've ever had. I like to use the word imprint. It's like left a stamp on you. And it did. Didn't understand it at the time. And, um, you know, sure enough, my parents just cleaning the house. Well, we don't need these anymore. They threw them out. And, well, there goes that. And, you know, you become four, five, six, seven, and, you know, you just move on. But every time going down the baby aisle at the grocery store and looking at a box of Pampers and the smell was just intoxicating. And so as a three-year-old, it was not exactly erotic, but it was comforting or compelling. It was very comforting. Yeah. It wasn't about erections or orgasms, obviously. Not at that age. Didn't even understand what that was anyway. But you knew that it was... There was something there. And so when I... I think my next memory of experimenting was probably about seven or eight. I messed my underwear by myself. And, you know, I got rid of them and threw them away. And I didn't understand why. So you did that on purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then what was that like? Again, it was, for some reason, I just felt compelled that I needed to do it and act like a baby when I did it. Yeah. And then did you dispose of the evidence? Yes, of course. Yeah. And then I never, never did anything again until I hit puberty. Okay, go on. So when I hit puberty, which, you know, a lot of kids have wet dreams, never had a wet dream. And... I just couldn't get the thought of diapers out of my head. And was it just diapers, Eric? Or did you want to, you know, drink from a baby bottle or sleep in a crib or be fed in a high chair? At that point in time, it was just really more of a diaper lover and acting somewhat like a baby wanting to wear diapers. Not Never really participated in thinking about being in a crib or anything like that. Okay. And so... I would actually take my mother's and my sister's maxi pads and I would confiscate them slowly during a month and build them up until I have a nice stockpile hidden in my room. <laughs> and when they were, nobody was around and I was home alone, I would make a diaper out of them by putting those in my underwear with the tape and securing them because they would absorb moisture. I've heard that from probably five or six different diaper lovers. It's pretty smart. It's it's an absorbent right. material that is meant to be worn under, you know, in an undergarment. So, and um, I would drink a ton of water, mm-hmm. and I would lay on my back, and the pressure would just build. But being that I was completely potty trained, I couldn't go, and it would it would hurt. It would it would be like. Unbelievable. Like uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. And the pressure would then subside. So it would build up. All the pressure would build. And it's like, God. And the whole thing was I didn't want to push the urine out. I wanted to have it come out naturally on its own. Uh, So I didn't want to pan down and push out. I just wanted to lay there, relax my stomach, and let its own pressure build until there was a release. Like a baby. 
Exactly. And that would take about an hour wow. and drink a lot of water until the point of the release was actually orgasmic. I remember you referring to that as waves. Yes. It was like, it was like waves. It would, it would reside and the waves would build and the pressure would build and then it would subside and then it would get bigger to the point where you just couldn't handle it. And peeing on your back, laying naturally as, a, as anybody who's potty trained cannot do that. It's, not, it's untraining your body naturally. Right, right. It's really hard to do. So I was never a bedwetter or anything like that. I was never abused. And this was just something I would do it. And I started doing that at about the age of 13, 14, until I was about 15. Did you have orgasm, legitimate orgasm? Never had an orgasm at that moment. But the release of the urine was orgasmic. orgasmic. Yeah, but you weren't ejaculating. No. And you didn't even know what that was, correct? At that time, I didn't know what it was. And then when I was about, right before I turned 16, I actually got into a real relationship with a girl, and I um, had my first orgasm with her. She gave me my first blowjob. I had no idea what was going to happen. And within about, let's say, two or three minutes, I had my first orgasm. And did you even know what was happening into your body? Oh, I know. that It was the most amazing sensation I ever <laughs> felt in my life. And I never looked back on what I was doing prior to that. For relief, I'm like, oh, that was just a phase I was thinking, because all I could think about at that point was trying to get another blowjob as often as I could, and then eventually having sex, which I did. So as a 13, 14-year-old, when you were you know, drinking with the goal of being able to urinate in the diaper, did you feel like this was a, a typical interest, or did you feel like you were different? Felt totally different, and just... It was just, you know, my little secret in my closet that I did in my own little world. And did you feel like a freak? Did you feel like you were deviant? I felt weird, but once I, again, started having regular sex, all those thoughts just kind of went away. Okay. So I'm like, oh, that was just a phase. Okay. And now I'm having regular intercourse. And then, of course, after you start having sex for a while, and I discovered about six months later... How to masturbate. I didn't even know how to masturbate. I never masturbated a day in my life. And once I started masturbating, well, game on. I mean, I think I was going to town about three times a day <laughs> and couldn't get enough. I mean, <laughs> it's just typical teenage boy. Right. And, you know, so I thought that was the end of it. Okay. So you were able to masturbate to orgasm without any diaper involvement? Nothing. I never even thought about it. It was just my first experience with that was to my father's penthouse magazine. Okay. You know, and then eventually, you know, I mean, again, this was a long time ago, so it's not like we had the internet back then. Right, right. So as time goes on, as my story evolved, you know, graduated high school, went to college, finished college, you know, got in a serious relationship, and I was with my girlfriend at the time, and I was turned on by seeing women pee, pee themselves. Again, it's coming back to that whole diaper thing. And I talked her into doing that one one time. And then we were really, we were drinking or whatever. And she said, well, what is the weirdest thing? So I told her about what I did as a kid. And we went and bought a package of, you know, baby diapers that night. 
and we messed around with them and had fun. And it was just, it was like the whole floodgates were opened again. And um, she worked during the days and on the weekends and I was home and I just couldn't control myself and I had to go get some diapers. And I remember the first time buying, at the time, a tens adult diapers. My heart was probably going like I was running a marathon and just nervous, palm sweats, unbelievable anxiety. Oh my God, I'm walking through the store. I'm going to, it took me about 10 minutes. I walked up and down the aisles and just kept walking by. I can't do this. Oh my God, how am I going to do this? Oh my God, I got to do this. That was the first time you actually purchased adult diapers? Uh Uh-huh. And I bought, bought them, came home, hid them. We lived together. And when she was gone, I did exactly what I did as a kid. But instead of drinking water, I was drinking beer. And, but instead, and then I'd pee and then I would masturbate. And as soon as I finished masturbating, I would freak out. What the hell am I doing? This is weird. And it's what we would call purging. I would purge it out and go, oh my God, I'm never going to do this again. I can't believe I just did this. Throw everything away. And then time would pass. Week, two weeks, month two months. And then again, the thoughts would roam in my head and just the pressure would build. I have to take care of this thing and I would take care of it. And you were able to have intercourse with her in between. So this fetish never affected your capacity to complete the phases of sexual response with a partner. No. In fact, I didn't share what I was doing with her. I kept it in secret and we had a very vivid Active, you know, active, satisfying sex. sex life. Absolutely. I think we had, I mean, thinking back then, I, I don't think I had sex with her every single night. And you had a secret. And I had this secret. And then we broke up and, you know, you move along and life goes on and I had some roommates and, you know, you're living with friends and again, these desires come and you're like, how am I going to satisfy this? And, you know, my, my, my two roommates went out and they were out, out for the night and Again, desire hits. I'm by myself. I, again, walk up and down the aisles of, you know, Thrifty or CVS or whatever it was, Longs or you name whatever drugstore and purchase and do the whole binging purging thing where I just, it was just insane. And it was a process that I went through for years. And so at that point, it was erotic. It was satisfying, but... What is wrong with me? I'm a freak. Okay. And could you have an orgasm without wetting the diaper? I would never put the diaper on unless I was going to masturbate. Okay. So you weren't just wearing the diaper around and and peeing in the diaper. There was a sexual component to it? At that point in time, absolutely. Okay. And what about dirty diapers? Not Not at that time? No way. Okay. Didn't even cross my mind. Okay. And... Can you speak to what the appeal was? I think this is a fetish that people have a hard time wrapping their head around. I think that of all the fetishes, people might feel like this is just the, one of the most confusing as to why it would be appealing. Can you speak to that a little bit, Eric? Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was the feel, the crinkle, the smell, the sound. And again, at that point in time in my life, I would consider myself you know, a diaper lover, a DL. I was just 
it was the you were a DL, not an AB, right? DL at that time, right? So let me just explain. Diaper lovers are people who have erotic interest in diapers. It's it's a fetish. Adult babies take that diaper loving interest and they take it to another level and they expand it into other domains of their lives where they enjoy regressive types of behaviors, infantile behaviors that include a a wide range of things that a baby might do, like sleep in a crib or suck on a pacifier or um, eat baby food and so on. So your your fetish started as a, a diaper thing and only later in life did you become fascinated with and interested in the adult baby side. Correct. I mean, it it evolved. Okay. And um, again, at this point in time, this is the mid-90s. And again, I'm going through my binging and purging stages through my diaper fetish. And something incredible happened in 1997. (laughs) I got my first PC. (laughs) And I was just surfing the web for like the first time. Probably had it for a couple days. And I remember for some reason I put... I did a web search for diapers and sex, and all of a sudden, websites came up and pictures came up. And I think I was up for about 24 to 36 hours. I discovered it on a Friday night. I don't think I slept until Sunday night when I had to go back to work. And I was just fascinated with what I discovered and instantly aroused. And I'm sure I masturbated quite often. And I was just... I, I got educated. I had no idea that I was, it was the first time I didn't feel alone because I found out that there were other people and then there was a whole community. I found out about ABDL and the first, one of the first websites out there was a DPF, which was Diaper Pale Friends, which is long gone, but they actually sold movies. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I ordered videotapes. But once I got on the internet, there was no more, there was the binging, the binging st- and purging stopped, but I still would only partake in this about once or twice a month. It wasn't like it was something I needed to do all the time. Can you speak a little bit, Eric, about what it meant to you to discover that you weren't the only person on earth who was interested in this? Relief. Relief. Yeah. I mean, it's imagine, you know, if you were gay and everybody around you is straight, and you've never met another gay person. Right. It's a great analogy. And then all of a sudden, you meet gay people. And you're like, oh, my God, there's a whole community out there. It's not, I'm just not, I'm not alone. Right. Right. I think that was a game changer for you. It really, it, it just made me feel, you know, when I read about it, you know, what little material there was, it gave insight to understanding that and reading other people's stories were very similar to mine. And so, you know, it evolved. And, you know, again, it wasn't, I didn't practice this with a partner. But as when I met my my soon-to-be wife, you know, early on in the relationship, we discussed this and I told her about it. And I went to the website and she had a young daughter. And she was, again, thinking, oh, my God, this is a pedophile kind of thing. And I'm all, no, read this. And this is what it is. And she accepted it, which is extremely rare. Extremely. And which was great. And uh, I remember the first time that we were alone and we decided that we were going to have some fantasy role play. And again, we role played, you know, the, the same scenario of, you know, I 
I was, I'll never forget, I was standing in my kitchen and I just wet my pants. And she took, you know, punished me and put me in a diaper. So talk about that dynamic a little bit about being shamed and humiliated. For me, that's part of the fantasy, but it's also a very nurturing fetish as well, AD, DL, and that relationship is extremely intimate. Yes. It can be a very nurturing one. There's very nurturing science, but then there's the, the very strict side of it as well. And, you know, and being spanked and being punished as well. And, you know, regressing, it's taken me a long time to regress. I mean, throughout my marriage, I was, you know, more of a diaper lover. And, yeah, there was an A-B side of it. And then even experienced with the sissy side of it a little bit. You know, where I wore pantyhose and I wore uh, rumba plastic panties over my diapers. And, you know, my wife had one one thing. She was totally fine with the wet diapers and all that, but absolutely no messy diapers. <laughs> so, and I discovered that I, in my 30s that I did like messing my diapers. It was, again, another sign of regression yeah. and lack of control and, you know, I would only do that when she wasn't around, but she knew what I was doing. I, I mean, I would tell her and she would laugh about it, but um, she just said, that's kind of crossed the line. I'm not going to go there. Okay. And so, so how did things evolve after that? You know, we had a normal sex life, but we also had that. And as things evolved and she wanted to please me, I even got her to wear diapers on occasion. She would, I even talked her into wearing one out one time. Mm-hmm. And she just did that because she knew. I knew what she was doing, and it was just the greatest turn on in my life. We would, um, you know, as you get more adventurous, wearing out in public, I mean, that came 10 years into it. Which you do sometimes now. Yes. You know, as the relationship evolved, you know, we started having outings and where, you know, I would have an accident in public and she would take me to the car and change me in the back seat of the car. You know, I mean, it's very erotic and exciting. The baby side, you know, of me just nursing on her was exciting. And things evolve, you know, where I evolved to the point where I was, at that point in time, the last probably seven, eight years of my life, the weekends I would wear a diaper every night to bed. And of course, you know, the ultimate goal is to be able to sleep through the night and not wake up and wake up wet. And that's a big goal for a lot of diaper lovers and a lot of adult babies. I've only experienced that, I think, three times in my <laughs> life. I'm still hoping that it'll happen someday. So you wake up before you pee? Yeah, I'm, I, you know, generally all the time. It was always, you know, as things have evolved. And, and again, the waves went away because as I wore more often and sleeping... I was able to relax more and to the point where, you know, I would just, you know, wake up, okay, oh, you know, oh, I can get up. I don't have to get up and go to the toilet in the middle of the night. Oh, I can just be and go back to sleep. And there's something comforting and erotic about sleeping, staying in the wet diaper and going back to sleep. Absolutely. There's no like, oh, I need to change this. No, I actually like, like the feeling of the wetness. In the diaper. And what about smells? Doesn't bother me at all. Doesn't bother you. No. And so over time, I think you have 
graduated, so to speak, to wearing a diaper every night. Is that correct? Yeah, about five years ago, I just have trouble sleeping sometimes. So I just decided, you know what, waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and that whole getting up and going to the toilet, I can't fall back asleep. So why don't I, 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 I asked my girlfriend, is it okay if I wear this every night? Yeah. And she changes me every night and puts me, puts me to bed and, and I would, you know. And what's that, what's that ritual like when she puts you to bed? What, what, what's happening? A bath and then, um, you know, put me on the changing table, put a diaper between my legs and then, we'll, you know, sometimes it, it will have sex right afterwards or whatever and, you know, then just go to sleep and she'll change me and. And put me to bed. And you don't need sex, though. That's just no, it, no, no. May it, or may not happen. It's not a requirement. Correct. I mean, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Most of the time, you know, after a long day of work, you know, I work very long hours. I just come home, and then it's like, oh, let me get ready for bed, and let me just cuddle. And and there are women that actually are professionals that cater to this fetish, and. Couple of years back, I started. Uh, you know, for 20 years, I've looked at these websites and never had the courage to ever do anything. Well, a couple of years back, I finally had the courage to c- make contact with what you call a professional mommy, and we exchanged emails. But I still had this longing to want to experience more, so I um, went and saw saw the professional mommy and. Um, a little nervous, shy the first time. I've done this probably 25 times now. But, um, and talked about my scenarios first and then, you know, got right into the role. And generally my fantasy is I'm, I'm, one of my normal fantasies is she's picked me up from school because I had an accident. And she, she had to pick me up and she takes me home and she says, look, you know, you promised me no more accidents and you know, I'm a little baby, uh, generally about four years old in preschool. And I say, I don't want to wear a diaper. I'm a big boy. I don't need diapers. She goes, okay, I'm going to give you another chance. But if you don't, you're going back to the diapers. Okay. And I'm just playing or she's reading and whoops, have an accent. And she notices it and she gets very upset and she spanks me very hard. And she puts me back in a crib, gives me a nap. Also feeds me in a high chair. So this is an adult-sized crib. You're Absol- not you're not being squished into a baby crib. Absolutely not. This is all adult-sized cribs, high chairs, changing tables. Which just goes to show that there's a market. People aren't going to produce adult-sized high chairs and cribs if there isn't a market for them. Which just goes to show that you know this is definitely a, a bona fide, legitimate community of people who exist and businesses produce products for them. Correct. You know, and, you know, some, some professional mommies will change dirty diapers. This particular mommy, that was kind of off limits, but she had other ideas. And she said, well, there's something I can do that will be very similar. I said, okay. And we call it a, a simulated messing. I'm like, well, what is that? So it's, she's all, well, you know, we were talking, you know, the appointments tomorrow. She said, I want you to bring three bananas. <laughs> oh, okay. So she actually inserted the bananas up my rectum and diapered me. 
and before she put those in, she gave me a suppository. So as the session's going on and the pressure builds and I have an accident. You poop out the bananas. Right. So, you know, obviously the smell's not so bad and, and she was okay with that. And we've done that many, many times. It, 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 we've done doctor exams where, you know, my tummy's not good and, and had rectal exams and taking, I mean, it, it's just, it's always just a wonderful experience. And what does something like this cost? It all depends, but uh, she, I believe, is about $300 an hour. Okay. And I usually do about a three-hour session. Wow. Okay. And can you sleep without a diaper on? Well, when I started about, I think it's about been about five years now, I, I think I've two times in my life I've slept without a diaper, and it's I can't sleep. It is such a comforting thing between my legs, and unfortunately, I'm you know, uh, you don't wear store-bought diapers; they stink. So you know, I've tried many different diapers over the years and buy them online and have them shipped directly to my house. I don't prefer cloth diapers and plastic pants. I am a big disposable diaper with plastic backing type of person. A it's, lot of the, us, it's the texture, it's the crinkly and the smell and the feel. But a lot of ABs like the cloth and plastic. I'm not one of those. So I wear disposables and I have to put doublers inside of them because, you know, they have leaks. And, <laughs> and is a leak good? Is that a good thing? No, you don't want to have your mattress get ruined <laughs> in your bed. So if I could wave a magic wand and this interest would disappear and never come back, would you want me to? Absolutely not. It's part of who I am. It's like asking somebody hey, who's gay saying, hey, if I could make it so you were straight, would you want to be straight? And do you think you were born with this? I think it was developed when I was a baby somehow. That, that something about the diapers when I was a baby and being a baby. I don't know. I mean, now I would consider myself a 50-50, 50% diaper lover and a 50% AB because I've really explored a lot in the AB side and regressed a lot and really enjoy just not being responsible for anything whatsoever. And um, I would just want, I would like to be with what we call a switch. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately in our community, this fetish is probably 95% male. Right. And uh, it's, you know, that's, it's just what it is. And there are very few lucky people in this community that are with switches. <laughs> yeah. And let alone even the situation that I have. A lot of people from my research and reading blogs and online, I don't know how to tell my girlfriend that I'm this. The reality is don't lie. Uh, there's people that don't, don't tell their partner they get married and they find out and they're freaked out and it's destroyed marriages. Exactly. Don't destroy your life. Whoever you're with, they truly love you. They will accept you. And if they don't, then you know what? You probably shouldn't be with that person. That's great advice. What would you say to the listener who is disgusted by this, thinks that you're a, a deviant person? Who am I hurting? I'm not hurting anybody. I've, I probably have communicated my fetish with about a dozen people in my life and uh, not friends, not family, just people that I've known through, you know, uh, probably had, you know, between the professional mommies, therapist and um, partners, partners, you know, four or five, four partners, 
they've all accepted it. So, I mean, you're not taking a big risk and again, not hurting anybody. Right. You're not a pedophile. Do you feel sexually disturbed? Not at all. I feel sexually liberated because I accept me for who I am. And like I said, my acceptance is what came 20 years ago with the discovery of the internet. And, you know, then letting partners know and they're, they're accepting it. And then, you know, going through a tragic loss and thinking you never find anybody. And then you find more partners that accept it. You know, I've had my wife and two other partners that have t- totally accepted this side of me. And to be able to be authentic about who you are and what turns you on, I like the word you use, liberating, because you don't have to keep a secret. There's no secret. This is who I am. I mean, do I currently have a secret with my current girlfriend? Yes, because I've seen a professional mommy because the drive inside me drove me there. I don't feel cheated. I haven't had sex with her. It's just, it's a role play thing that I needed to explore. It it added more to it. And, um, you know, it's not, there was a desire to want more and to go beyond what she was capable of doing. Right. And so did that, you know, and we've talked about getting, building a nursery when the kids are gone and all that. And I mean, she's great. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, the no number twos is in the no go zone there <laughs> is, is something that is still, you know, not the, the Holy Grail. And would you want your neighbors to know about this? No, because, again, it's a private thing. I don't think, uh, you know, if it was more accepted in our society, I wouldn't care about it. I mean, I've, wor- I've worn a diaper in public uh, so many times. Hundreds of times? Oh, yeah. Underneath my clothes. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Didn't you leak in a movie theater once? Uh, probably about two or three times, yeah. <laughs> That was one time, but I have leaked in restaurants. I mean, I've had issues, and nobody, nobody, nobody says anything. Yeah. What are they going to say? They, you know, I'm not. I don't go out in baby clothes. Uh huh. You know, I've, I, if you look in our community, there are some people that do that. That's right. It's a full lifestyle thing. There are people that want to be a baby, twenty four seven. I am not that person. Okay. I like being an adult. I like my career. You know, running my company and doing what I have to do and, you know, my kids and the normal lifestyle that we have. I just, you know, the biggest, biggest thing is I just never want my kids to find out. I want to thank you for allowing me to do this show. I mean, this is a pretty far out fetish. I mean, there's not a lot of people out there, you know, and if you look at the mainstream you don't see much about it, and it's 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 really shunned. It's shunned upon. It's it's very frowned upon, and it, very, it really very should much. be. Very much. One other thing I, I would like to note is that I have noticed that it's getting more mainstream in millennials. Right. And it looks like the younger generation is more willing to embrace this and than not, my generation. Not was. just this, but anything goes. The younger generation is willing to live and let live in a way that our generation wasn't socialized to do. So I hear that about 
whatever fetish a patient brings into my office to, to explore, I hear that, well, the younger generation is more accepting of A and more accepting of B and more accepting of C. I think it's just a mentality as opposed to something about the specific fetish, but just a, a, an openness and a tolerance that I think is, is good. Yep. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Sex Savvy. If you find value in this podcast, please like, follow, share, comment, or review on your favorite podcast app. Your participation helps keep Sex Savvy free and available to all who are interested. Kimberly and the entire Sex Savvy team appreciate your loyalty and support.